You're listening to the Unpacking It Live podcast, presented by MetaShare. Each week, Bryce, Luke, and Henry unpack sports, faith, and life with the goal of challenging, encouraging, and inspiring you to follow Jesus and become more like Him. Now, from Charlotte, North Carolina, uniting sports fans everywhere, here's your host, Bryce Johnson. Welcome to the Unpacking It Live podcast presented by MetaShare. I'm Bryce Johnson. Hour. We will unpack sports, faith, and life with you and the Unpacking It community of sports fans. Thanks to everybody listening on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. LinkedIn, everyone that listens to the podcast later, Spotify, everywhere else, thank you so much for being a part of the Unpacking It community, and we always appreciate the feedback. Be sure to comment and and let us know what you're convinced of. Let us know your thoughts on the topics that we discussed today. Today on the show, we will be joined by Luke Keaton and Henry BNMA. We want to thank Jay for all of his help on the show as well. Thanks to Chris, our producer, who uh, cleaned some things up post-production but for those of you that listen live you get the live raw show uh and so we uh we always have a lot of fun each monday at two ish we're a little late today but glad to be with you i'm coming back at the beach so we'll talk about that uh one big takeaway and i think it'll be more of a confession that that i have uh to share with you today and we'll get uh we'll get luke's thoughts on that as well but today will be heavy on the nba finals because tonight is game five Last week, you knew how this matchup, about this series, and it continues to build momentum. It's living up to the hype. It's very back and forth, very you know, interesting matchups down, you know, down the wire in these games, and to see the Warriors pull it out in Boston on Friday night was And today during our Unpack This segment, we're going to talk about what it means to win on the road. What does it mean to go into a hostile environment and get the win? And how does that relate to our own lives and our faith journey as we follow Jesus? And so uh, stick around for that. Uh, During tap drill, we'll we'll talk about, how about LeBron James? Is he post-career going to be an an NBA owner? Or is he going to be the next Tom Brady, even though Tom Brady hasn't even done it yet, and be a TV analyst and get the big bucks in, in that realm? So uh, we'll have some fun with that. Also, a couple of interesting NFL stories. And the golf world is in a fascinating place right now. And, and Luke, as you know, is a diehard sports or a diehard golf fan. He's a diehard sports fan. Diehard golf fan specifically. And, and so I want to get his thoughts on the live you know, golf event that took place this past weekend. Rory got a big win. And then this coming weekend. So, so a lot going on there. Plus, the NBA draft is coming up. So, uh, man, we got, we got to kind of maybe we'll talk more about that next week, but a lot going on. So glad to be here. Thanks so much to our presenting sponsor, MetaShare. If you're looking for an affordable, reliable, help MetaShare today, MetaShare.com slash unpacking it. MetaShare, MetaShare offers programs for every budget. So MetaShare helps you out if you're a, a ministry leader like me and, and my family. We've been a, a member for six years. And it's been a great option for us. Whether you're a business owner or an individual, uh, check out MetaShare. And and the the best part is their members on average save 50% or more on their healthcare costs. It's MetaShare.com slash unpacking it. All right, Luke, the NBA Finals game five tonight. I know I'm fired up. I know you are as well. More fired up about your big trip that you're heading on. And so we'll talk about my trip in a moment, but you are heading on a cruise. Where are you going? The big cruise. I've never been on a cruise. We know Henry loves cruises, but I've never been on one. That's right. Henry's about that cruise life. I can't believe you haven't been on a cruise. I feel like you would thrive. So this will be my third cruise. Uh, I am expected to to gain quarters with me. I promise. uh, Well, I I expect to gain tremendous amounts of weight. So my previous cruise was a five day cruise and I gained 12 pounds. Whoa. This is an 11-day cruise to the Baltics, to Sweden, uh, Germany, Finland, Estonia, Latvia, Poland. Um, and we're going with Madeline's parents for their 30-year anniversary. So congratulations nice. to them. Very cool. We're very excited. 
Madeline and I are so pumped to see that part of the world. Uh, it's going to be awesome. I've only been to Germany, but I've got, uh, I'm trying to dress some cooler weather. So it's going to be high of 70 there. And I'm thinking, Ooh. you know what? What's a great shirt to wear where you let the breeze come in, especially when it's super hot in Texas and it's light and comfortable. And I'm wearing my new fishing shirt. So I want to, br- <laughs> I want to get your thoughts. So two things here. They're new, they're new to me. I used to hate fishing shirts because I'm a city boy. I'm like, oh, why would I wear a fishing shirt? But I put one on. I can't go back. They breathe in the back. They're light. They, they show a little more taco meat than I'm used to. So they mm. dip a little lower on the top button. So the chest hair is coming out, um, which is unique. And I keep telling my buddy at church, you got to take me fishing so, I'm, so I have credibility to wear this yeah. shirt. If you're I'm wearing a little a bit of a shirt. fraud. Uh, I haven't fished in 10 years probably. So he's uh, got to take me fishing, gain some credibility, and then wear it with even more confidence. So that I, I thought of that because you were at the beach, which is the perfect place for a fishing shirt. Let the breeze come through. It's lightweight. It breathes. Got to have breathability. So there, there's my question, and I've got to know how the beach was. Well, it's so funny you mentioned that. So norm, years ago, one of my pastors, he would wear Hawaiian shirts all the time and a congregation to go get a Hawaiian shirt. So I did this, I don't know, seven, eight years ago. And, and so I would wear the Hawaiian shirt like once or twice a year, but then I tried to always wear it if I went to the beach. So I was all oh, excited yeah. getting ready to leave for the beach last week. And I'm looking around for my Hawaiian shirt, you know, the, to describe it other than Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> and it was in the wash and it was, it wasn't fresh enough to bring on the trip. So I started my trip on, on a bad note because I did not have the Hawaiian shirt. No. Uh, so yeah, as I've never done the fishing shirt, not much of a fisher myself. Uh, <laughs> so I can't really speak to your fishing shirt, but I am goofy, you know, short sleeve button down Hawaiian shirt, which I don't normally uh, wear on a day-to-day basis. Always a treat. So anyway, had a wonderful time at the, at the beach uh, down in, uh, it's called Sunset Beach, so it was a nice, nice time. And and here's my my one story from uh, my almost three year old daughter Maddie and I. We love the beach, so she's all in. So she got that from me. I love the water, and I love the sand. And mm. ever since I was a little kid, I always loved playing in the sand, building sand castles, you know, <laughs> digging holes, grabbing the buckets of water, you know, gra- you know, just g- building the moat. And, and, and building creative things. Are you sabotaging sand. other sandcastles? Are, no. are you attacking others as well? No way. We stick to our own. We stick oh. to our own. Okay. But the funny thing is, so I, I, I probably you know, built sandcastles up until the age of, I don't know, 13 or whatever. It took 20 years off. I haven't built a sandcastle in 20 plus years, and now I am back in the game, and, and Maddie is right there alongside of me. But here's the problem. She is very similar to me, even at this young age. Both of us have our own vision the sandcastle should be. And ah. there were conflicting visions. We had, we had a lot of conflict. And, and I, would, I would say, hey, whoa, 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 Maddie, that's, that's the tunnel right there. That's the bridge. You can't, why are you messing with my bridge? And so we had a lot, of, a lot of kind of back and forth on how to set up the sandcastle. By the end of the trip, I was convicted. And this is my confession. The sandcastle time is about Maddie. It's not me. I had my time. I have to pass the baton. She's in charge now as much as I want to be, and I want to give out orders and say, no, 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 no. I want to smooth the sand. We were fighting over the tools. We both wanted to use the same exact tool, which I have this kind of weird thing where I like to flatten the sand, you know, and and they had this awesome tool at the place we stayed that I could use, and Ah. she wanted to do it as well. And and so anyway, we were we were we were fight fighting in a fun way uh, on the beach, but I have to let it go. I'm I'm now a dad. The beach is no longer about me, and I'm, I continue to learn this. I've probably mentioned it on the show before, but it's if one you want to carry another. that torch, if you want to carry that torch that you can never outgrow sandcastles, you have my full support. It well, is it is your responsibility to teach her how to master her craft. If she's at a certain age, it's still on you. You got to you got to take charge. She doesn't really so, know what she's doing. That's a good point. That's right. She's got to, she's got to follow your footsteps. It's I'm glad you confessed that. Henry has a great question that he chatted us. What's the what's the proper attire for a grown man at the beach? 
I, I need to know what you wore. Mm. I already told fishing shirt, especially for me of the fair skin variety, long sleeve. So I got a long sleeve fishing oh. shirt. Are you oh. on the beach? Uh, at least at least have some shifts or long sleeve in the rotation or I'm going to get fried. I'm going to okay. get fried. All so right. I got to have some type of long sleeve variety bucket hat. I will absolutely even if I had darker complexion and sunburns weren't I wasn't trying to prevent heavily against sunburns, you got to avoid the tank top at all costs. That's what Henry asked. Can you wear a tank top as a grown man? Related to this, <laughs> We've talked about grown men wearing jerseys, which I am for. You are against. Mm-hmm. But I am very against grown men wearing the sleeveless basketball jersey with no undershirt. you got to go undershirt. You can't just go jersey. The male shoulder should never be shown. The male shoulder should always be covered. It is not a good look to rock tank top. So I need your thoughts on this. Unfortunately, I can see you as being a tank top guy. Uh, definitely not. I'm not a tank top guy. I am a embrace the dad bod. I'm all. I'm. I'm there for everybody. Shirtless. So I, yeah, I'm shirtless. Oh yeah. And as soon as I get down there, it's off. And then I may put. Uh, yeah, it's there. I'm there. I'm there for the water. I'm there in the sand. You know, Maddie's dumping sand on me. Well, we spend a lot of time in the water. So yeah, that's that's what I'm doing. So I'm not wearing. I can't be wearing any gear in the water. I'm not. I got a few rides body surfing, so I got the, I got a little bit of juice <laughs> flowing for that, uh, but I can't be distracted in. So there you go. So uh, I, I was gonna make a joke about my speedo, but I didn't I didn't wear the speedo <laughs> this time. So I I am a proud owner of a speedo. It uh it does not get busted out very often, but the times in which it has, it always delivers. It's always a hit. So I'm I'm a, I'm a former swimmer, so that that's just part of the part of the deal. So. <laughs> Um, so anyway, so there you go. There's our, our, uh, our beach shenanigans. Hopefully everybody's having fun at the beach this summer. A couple, couple trips here and there for everybody, uh, usually is the case, especially in this part of the, the country where we're so close. Uh, so it's, you know, it's, it's, it's easily, easily, to, easy and accessible. So a lot of fun. All right. So let's talk NBA finals though. And we'll begin with, with, I'm convinced and I'm curious I'm curious to hear how all of our listeners are feeling about this series. It's 2-2, so it can go either way. So do you feel more curious? Do you feel more confident in the Celtics? Of course, the Celtics won the pivotal game one and game three. And, and so I always want to win the odd games, right? You always want to win one, three, five, and then ultimately seven, of course. So if this goes to seven, you know, who does that, that benefit? Uh, will we continue to kind of go back and forth in this series? But I really want to focus uh, – this segment on Steph Curry. And of course we've talked about him a lot on the show over the, over the years. Uh, I've been a fan of his since his time at Davidson, still one of my favorite runs in all of college basketball history. And, and so the, the rise of Steph Curry is, is fascinating. Um, but, but here we go. Here's, here's what Luke and I are, are convinced of today. And we, we take a look at this a little bit differently, but the first, I'm convinced that the first three championships for the Warriors limited our understand greatness. And this year's finals is actually revealing his true greatness and reminding us of his remarkable story and rise to this unbelievable all-time level. And then in the context of his entire career, his legacy and, and where he'll go down in history and all of that, this is adding two. It's cementing. And really, we're just getting going because we're only four games in. We might have a couple more epic performances, but he did in game four where the Celtics, they were, they were outplaying the, the, the Warriors in a lot of ways. They had the home crowd, yet Steph Curry, when they needed the bucket, when they needed to stop the momentum, when they, they needed to, to kind of you know, get some, just rally the troops a little bit, he would hit. The dagger. He would hit the big three. There were how many times? At least twice where he should have gotten a, an and one on the three. Should have oh, been yeah. a four point play. Uh, so he was doing it all. And and so when when we think about Steph, though, we know that he was willing to take a back seat for Durant. And to me, that adds to his legacy. But it also took away from our understanding. Of, and and I think for you, Luke, you look at those those other three championships, and and you think. How much credit? How much credit does Steph get for those three? Whereas now, 
Now he's getting the credit. He's clearly the best player on this Warriors team. He's clearly the one that is break for the yeah. Warriors, depending on how well he's, he's going to play and, and, and will his team to, to victory. 100%. This, we were talking before the show, this championship would be his first one with no asterisk. That's right. 2015, they beat Cleveland, uh, and Cleveland had no Kevin Love in that whole series, and Kyrie only played game one. So how much credibility do the Warriors get with that series? No Kevin Love, no Kyrie. 2016, you lose to Cleveland, being up 3-1. 2017-2018, now I know this is towing the line of, oh, how you... You can't be too good, which, I mean, the goal of, in professional sports, make the best team possible. But Steph doesn't get that much credit in regards to, oh, that Warriors team, man, going back-to-back was crazy. That team was, was so unfair. Those, those two years, it wasn't even fun watching the NBA because you knew what was going to happen. That Warriors team was so overpowered. And so I don't think Steph gets that much credit for 27 and 2018. 2019, it's a wash because there's injuries. So who knows? I mean, Warriors would have won that series, but it's still KD there as well. This year, you have a healthy Boston, healthy Golden State, and there's an equal match. Like, there's no asterisk. It's both teams earned their way there. Both teams are really good, but it's not, oh, we're just loading up the, all the best players on one team, and it's an even match. So this this finals... There's no asterisk, I think, for the first time in Steph's career. I do need to say one thing. I don't want to sound like I'm being negative Nancy over here on Steph. He deserves unbelievable credit taking a backseat to KD. You don't win back-to-back championships if someone's not willing to surrender usage to take a backseat. KD was the guy. And Steph, the, the humility and the the winning mentality for him to take a back seat, which was necessary, allowed them to win. And I think that doesn't get enough praise because not many players would have done that. Steph is an, he's an all-time great, one of the greatest players of all time. And his ability to still be humble when KD arrived is amazing. So he deserves credit there. But his three rings, there's an asterisk on all of them. So this one, in my opinion, is, is very important. Well, and we knew we knew his greatness because let's not forget he was a two-time MVP, unanimous, unanimous yeah. MVP. Yeah, so, so his greatness is unquestioned, unquestioned. But when it comes, but when we view NBA players, it is about championships. And and Steph now, I mean, as he continues to go on, he's thirty-four and, and continues to add. I mean, this this run is adding to his his legacy. Of course, he's now moving into. You know, I think our intern CJ asked, is he a top 10 all-time player? He's absolutely in this mix. And to me, in these finals in particular, is that Steph is doing a lot of other things. And the reason that I've always given so much respect to LeBron is that LeBron can do whatever he wants on the basketball court. Every mm-hmm. year, LeBron worked on another element of his game, the post-up. The, the early in his career, he would drive to the basket a, a lot more. Um you know, his passing abilities, rebound. LeBron could do it all. And and Jordan was so good on, on defense and would shut down guys and then everything that he could do offensively as well. Uh, and his Jordan's willingness to pass to Steve Kerr, John Paxson. So Steph was always known as the best shooter ever. And we would be amazed by his regular season performances and, you know, the big three-point shooting nights. And, and it was captivating. And all along the way, he's been changing the NBA to adapt more points on the game. And this whole next generation yep. of players playing more along the lines of Steph Curry shooting the three is awesome. But what Steph is now doing, and if you listen to Steve Kerr talk in press conferences, he, he continues to talk about all these other things that Steph does better now. Last week we talked about the Warriors' defense. Steph has become a better defender about how strong Steph Curry is. And you can just look at, you can look at his muscles now. Look at him in college at Davidson to yeah. now. Complete so, change. And, and to debunk the myth that if you add muscle, then you can't shoot as well. 
And that, that yeah. wasn't, hasn't been the case for Steph. He's actually a better shooter. And he's Kyle, Kyle Korver was a part of that interview, uh, that article as well, where he learned that too. He had to add some, some muscle and weight in order to continue to be a good shooter uh, and have longevity. But what also Steph does, he now rebounds even better. He's always been a decent rebounder where you get, you know, you get the long rebound, but now he's, he's fighting for rebounds and, and, and we know he's been a good passer, but he's becoming a more all around player mm-hmm. and an all around, you know, uh, impact on the game as a whole but an impact on each individual game in an even bigger way because he can't rely on clay as much he can't rely on draymond as much you have to rely more on on steph and you can't definitely rely on kevin durant he's not yeah. he's not there so uh it's uh anyway that that's that's where where i come out on on, on all of that so I, i'm pulling hard yeah. for steph and it's been awesome yeah and, and he just hasn't had the the chance in the finals to show his greatness, the greatness that we know. Because, again, 2015, there's always the asterisk of, oh, what if Kyrie and Kevin Love were there? 2016, lose. 2017, 2018, it's always, oh, yeah, but they had KD. This year, there's no asterisk. There's no, yeah, but. There's, look what Steph did. And we want to see that. We don't want there to be any excuse for people to say, to take away from Steph's greatness, which is, I guess, kind of what I'm doing now. I want to see him get a finals ring without any excuse because there's real, there's real question marks because all championships aren't built the same. You can't tell me that Toronto's championship is the same as Dallas's. Toronto had an injured Clay and KD. So yeah. is that one the same? Dallas, there's no excuse. Dallas is the underdog. They beat the, uh, the Heatles. And so not all championships are built the same. So we have to understand that. And, and I think, too, what's this type of defense is remarkable, too. The greatest defense in the NBA with Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah. It's, I mean, these shots he's hitting are really hard shots. And like I said, he's, he's been fouled on certain plays. So it's, it's, been, it's been a lot of fun to watch him get back in greatness. And, and then, too, you know, just, I'm just reminded of his stories, beginning with, with Davidson. And, and then the, you know, early in his career – the injuries, and then just recently to have the injuries uh, to now bounce back again. Uh, it says a lot about him. Watch the rise of his stardom, so many different commercials, and his his willingness to always give great interviews. Yeah. Uh, I've seen a couple interviews even this week. I mean, he's just he he's willing to communicate the journey and and what he really thinks, and and all of that is really fun. And then too, you know, th- this is you could argue uh, maybe it's not the the best from a sportsman standpoint. But his his intensity and interaction, even with the crowd in Boston, has been fun to watch. It's been yeah. a show. Whether you know, people have different feelings on. on he's an entertainer, he, but he's he an get, entertainer. Yeah. He's been going nuts. He really has, and you can see the passion and how much he cares and how much he wants this and how much he's into it. Uh, yep. That's the aspect that I appreciate so much. Yeah. Um, so, and I, I I like some of the. Uh, uh, the tangible where you really know what a player's got his emotions a little bit. You got to mm-hmm. keep him in check. You got to keep him in check for sure. Yeah. Uh, but he's, he, he's, he's into it. All right. So tonight we'll talk about that a little bit later, but I do want to, we'll, we'll stick with the, the NBA finals here as well. And, and just talking more about the, the back and forth first two games in Boston, in uh, San Francisco, the last two games in Boston on the road. And so each week, here at Unpacking It, we do a segment called Unpack This, where we take a sports story related to the Bible, related to our own lives, and this topic goes out through email. Uh, we actually send one out Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Monday's show, uh, we use Monday's devotion. It's very difficult to win on the road in the NBA. There are certain teams that, that do it better than others in certain series where you throw out home court advantage. Uh, but it's always a big deal when you can go into someone else's environment, especially when it's a hostile environment. And so I would say to win in Boston is hard to do. Those are diehard fans. Those are legit sports fans. Those are championship caliber fans. I don't yeah. necessarily like those fans, but they're used to championships. They understand what winning is all about. It's, it's, it's difficult for you know, a guy like Steph Curry to, to, to you know, rise above the noise, to, to rise above all the chance there's been, he used the word shenanigans, which you know is one of my favorite words, the shenanigans <laughs> of the Boston crowd. Uh, them of course, getting into it with 
Draymond Green and and having things to say uh, about. But uh, I read this today from the Associated Press. But the moment couldn't have been bigger, and Curry delivered all those years of winning road games at playoff time on enemy hardware, hardwood, enemy hardwood, preparing him for this ultimate moment. Here's the deal. The Warriors have now won a road game in 27 straight playoff series, which is an NBA record. And so this run began nine years ago, and the Warriors each year have consistently won on the road. And to put it in historical context to say, all right, wow, they're, they're right at the top. It, it shows just how good they are on the road. And, and so here, here's what happens when you're the away team. You're having to deal with you know, fans who are intense, loud, sometimes vulgar, passionate. And what you have to do as the away team, chance. And you have to uh, you know, hold your ground and still get the win on the road. And the Warriors showed that they could find victory being an away team. And, and they continue to uh, you know, prove that they have what it takes. to. Win. So how does this relate to our own lives? Well, as followers of Jesus, we, we're looking for wins on the road because we know that this world is not our ultimate home, that we're preparing for heaven. That's our home. So right now, this, this place is temporary. This earth is temporary. And, and he's up against the opposing crowd. We're on the road. As followers of Jesus, we are on the road in enemy territory, so to speak. And, and, and in the, uh, you know, we got to go up. We got to go up against the, the home crowd because the Bible says in 1 Peter, uh, dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. So that's what we're up against. And so every day we're looking to win on our opponent's floor in the midst of a hostile, you know, just like Boston, they're trying to make players miss at the free throw line. They, they, they want to try to get into the players' heads and, and distract them. And, and so that's what we're up against every single day. Uh, in 1 John 5, 19, the Amplified, it says, we know for a fact that we are of God and the whole world around us lies in the power of the evil one opposing God and his precepts. And so the world that we live in and this ever-changing culture that's up and down and round and round, it's intense, it's loud, it's vulgar, it's passionate about things that aren't of God, and we can't stop them from saying what they're going to say. Just like the Warriors can't stop the Celtics fans from chanting things and yelling things at them, but the Warriors determine how they respond and how they continue to, to win in the midst of that hostile environment. And so thankfully for you and I, if we're, if we're following Jesus, then, and we actually know God's word, and we live surrendered lives, yielding to the power of the Holy Spirit, we can overcome the negative chance of the crowd. And everything that's getting thrown at us and the hostile environments that we enter into, into throughout our lives as a member of the away team. And so the crowd or, or the world that's in trying to you know, drown out the voice of Jesus, just like Celtics fans are trying to drown out the voice of the head coach, Steve Kerr. The, the world's trying to drown out the voice of Jesus. But if, but if we're still and quiet and, and block out the distractions, we can still hear his voice and allow him to lead us and guide us. And we can keep our eyes fixed on him, block out the noise, and, and knowing that with Christ, we have what it takes to win on the road. When he is with us, when he is in us, we have the power and the strength to win on the road. And ultimately, we've already won the series. We know this because in the world, he's given us eternal victory. And now day to day, it's getting the wins on the road when, when the world, the crowd all around us uh, in, in this hostile environment is, is what we're up against. And so will we stand firm and, and will we continue to get win road. So, Luke, there you go. It's it's challenging. Um, what aspect of the parallel uh, jumped out to you the most today? Yeah, something that I think is important in order to be able to win on the road, you have to know that you're actually playing a road game. Mm. And I think so. Follow, and that sounds outrageous, but and it sounds common sense. But let me tease this out a little bit. 
in life, if we don't understand that as followers of Jesus, we are foreigners, we're not at home, our home is with God, so we're currently foreigners residing in a foreign place as followers of Jesus in regards to living in the world. If we think we're actually at home in the world and we're playing a home game, then we're just going to cater our behavior to please the world. Like in basketball, if you're playing a home game, your fans are booing you. Well, hey, we better pick it up so we can please our fans. Not that they're just trying to please fans, but in one sense, hey, we want to do well. Our fans are saying we're not playing well. Let's pick it up. And in one sense, there's some pleasing, catering to the crowd, pleasing fans. But if you're playing an away game, you know when you're playing well, you're upsetting the fans. You're not trying to please the fans. Because obviously, if you did that, you'd miss shots. You wouldn't get back on defense. You wouldn't play the game the right way. The better you play in an away game, the more the fans are upset. Because you know you're playing an away game, which is important. In our culture today, there's many people, many followers of Jesus. And I certainly am guilty of this as well, where we aim to please man. And I think part of that is not a proper understanding of, okay, where is our home? The world is not our home. The passions, the pleasures of the world are sin. They do not lead us towards holiness. They lead to death. They lead to sin. Scripture is clear that we are to abstain, like you're saying, from worldly pleasures. But to do that, we have to know that we're not at home in the world. We are playing an away game. So we're not supposed to please the world. The more holy we live, the more the world is upset. The more obedient to Jesus we are, the more we upset the world and the people of the world. So it's important to know we are living a life that is an away game. When we think it's a home game, we aim to please the world, and it leads to sin and death. So I think we shouldn't take for granted that, like, hey, we are playing an away game the rest of our lives. We can't lose sight of that. That's right. But we have the ability to win we have the ability to win on the road Warriors have proven that they can do it we can do it too but we can't do it in our own strength and we need the holy spirit to to lead us guide us strengthen us and rely on his power uh to do it to stand up and to still shine the light of jesus in, in the midst of the crowd that's all around us that, that hates us chanting yelling you know telling us to do this or that uh trying to distract us all of those things that, that are coming at us every single day in every direction uh, there's no question about that. So hopefully that's encouraging, challenging to all of us uh, to continue to, to seek the Lord in, in all that we do and, and, and rely on him uh, each, each step of the way. So he's with us and, and to strengthen us, that's for sure. All right, so the, uh, that devotional will go out later today. So if you haven't subscribed to receive that in your email inbox, be sure to do so uh, by going to unpackingit.com slash subscribe, and, and you can get the email uh, each Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And if you are a subscriber, uh, would you share with somebody, send it to somebody and encourage somebody else to, to sign up for free uh, to receive the devotional. We just want to encourage and challenge sports fans uh, each week. So thanks for allowing us to do that. All right, so the, 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 we'll talk game five in a moment. I want to take a quick detour and a, uh, because the U.S. Open coming up this weekend, always exciting. And I do need to say this. Uh, I will actually be in Canton, Ohio this weekend at the Pro Football Hall of Fame uh, at the Village. Uh, there's a big uh, uh, that Unpacking It is a part of, and you can go to fatherhoodfestival.com to hear all about it. I'll be a part of the, the live stream, the uh, simulcast of the event, but Anthony Munoz is a part of it. Mike Singletary is a part of it. Uh, Ed McCaffrey is going to be there. LeVon Kirkland. Uh, just a lot of awesome former NFL players. I think some current NFL players as well. Uh, so I'll be interviewing some of those guys, and it's going to be a great event for the whole family. So if you happen to be listening or watching and you're in the Ohio area and you can get there, great. Uh, if you can't make it but you want to stream, uh, keep an eye out for, uh, for the link. But it'll be fatherhoodfestival.com uh, this coming weekend. So really excited about that. So I'll be busy with that. So I'll have to keep an eye on the U.S. Open. Uh, and, and Luke, you're going to, you're going to be on your cruise. So I don't know what be kind cruising. of access you have to the, to the U S open. Uh, but this is sort of, you know, this is the first 
you know, big major since we've really seen the golf world commit where, where things are very interesting with this live golf tour. And we're not going to get into all the politics of it all and, and, and that side of the conversation. I'm really intrigued from a sports fan perspective. Are we writing off all the guys that are now on the live golf tour? Are we loyal to the PGA Tour? Do we care as fans? Like, is that, is that where our loyalty lies? Uh, do we root for individual golfers? And, and so wherever they're playing, that's where we're, we're watching, and that's where you know, we'll root for them. Uh, how interested are people in the Live Golf Tour? I don't think they got great ratings. Will people eventually? Uh, you know, Schwartzel won the first event. He, he's a Masters winner, uh, so at least a, a, a known golfer. I don't know how well-known, but a known golfer won it. Um, and then some of these guys will be back for the U.S. Open because they're going to be able to play in the majors. So yeah. will, how will they be? Will they be booed? Uh, will they be welcomed back? I, I'm, well, I, I'm fascinated I, by it all. So where, where uh, do you come out on it? Yeah, I don't even know where to start. I think let's just talk about some facts. And I think it is a fact that regardless of what you think about Live Golf, it is a great idea in regards to the format mm. of the golf being played. It's exciting. It's a great addition. It's a, it's a new way to watch golf. You have an individual competition and a team competition happening simultaneously. It's like college golf. So it's just a new way to watch golf. So whatever the politics, whatever side you come out of that, the idea itself is genius. It is an awesome idea that is just a new fun way to watch golf because players are drafting other players. No matter how your favorite golfer is doing individually, he might be on a good team. A good team may have players that are doing mediocre individual wise, but still come out on top. So it's just exciting. Team golf always delivers. Everyone loves the Ryder cup. The president's cup is great. So adding a team golf competition is incredibly entertaining. I tuned in a little bit for the live golf and watched it. And a lot of golf purists, um, even if they weren't liking live golf, the stuff happening behind the scenes, they couldn't help but acknowledge this is so refreshing, not having a commercial every 10 seconds. There were like mm -hmm. no commercials. It was just golf well, shot the masters is golf like shot. Yeah. The masters. I mean, well, the masters is in a world of its own, but so I don't know. The idea itself is awesome. And I, that, I think that is clear as day that team golf and individual golf happening simultaneously is a tremendous idea. I, well, to me, the, the way that both of these tours are going to be going on at the same time, I think is really bad for golf. Because it used to be where Tiger could carry the game. Well, now at this stage of where golf is at, you need everybody. You need yeah. all these golfers on the same team, on the same page, drawing everybody to the same tournaments. They can't be split. Can't be, you know, all over the world at different tournaments. And No, you need guys to all be there where the big-name guys are, where there's enough of a draw, where when you turn on Sunday and you look at the leaderboard, you at least know two, three, four names. And if you're only getting one of those guys and one of those guys is in contention, in the, you know, the, the PJ tour event. And then, you know, the live golf is kind of sporadic and, and we don't know where to find it. We don't, to me that it just is only taking away from the game of golf and sort of building the post tie product, because that's where, that's where we're at. And, and so that's I, a good I, point. Cause yeah, it's obvious that golf's carried by committee now. And it, no one could ever carry golf like Tiger did. No one carried golf. Obviously, I wasn't alive for this, but based on reading things and just what older golf fans have said, no one carried golf like Tiger did before Tiger. True. Tiger, in a sense, like we were talking about the Tiger tax. People should owe a portion of their winnings to Tiger because he, in one sense, single-handedly increased the tournament purses and prize money tenfold. So... To your, yeah, if there's multiple breakout tours that are happening simultaneously. So there was one golf league called the Premier Golf League that is the same idea as the as Live Golf tournament uh, team and individual, but hasn't gotten off, hasn't grown and become anything. That They were wanting to partner with the PGA Tour 
and have not conflict with each other. Mm. And that would have been awesome. But if to your point, if there's conflicting tours, like we already seen Bryson and Patrick Reed going to live golf. They're playing those in are, Portland this weekend. Those are two so, big names. Big names. So it, 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 that is an interesting point. It, it probably it, it probably true that if you start breaking up the committee that's leading golf, yeah, what's going to happen Rory... to the fans? Because the diehards are going to watch, but that's not where the money's coming from. What brought money into golf is people who didn't watch golf or didn't care who have never played in their life are tuning in to watch Tiger. That, no, so, I, not, no one's doing that now. Because you were just at the Colonial. Colonial. Yep. Colonial. We have an, an event in Charlotte, the Quail Hollow, Wells Fargo event. And so it's very dependent on getting some big-name guys to come and play. And it's always, you know, you always celebrate like, oh, Phil's going to be here, or, you know, or, you know, whatever. And so if all of a sudden that pool of guys – shrinks for some of the the secondary events because it appears that all the majors will will still be solid it'll still majors be the best players be in the world majors will be fine that's but, all great yeah but to grow the year-long golf and it's going to be tricky so the fedex like those those tournaments i mean that, that's not going to be nearly as competitive if, if you start taking out some of these guys the dustin johnson's of the world are you kidding me so well, I don't fault the, those guys. Yeah. I don't fault the guys because they're going to make more money and they're making decisions for their career. But just as a fan, I don't. I don't like it. I don't like it from that that standpoint. Yeah, because let's think of the smaller tournaments. The Byron Nelson. I grew up going to that tournament. Awesome tournament. But it it's not known for getting a ton of big names. And now if. Some big names are going on another tour that's conflicting with the PGA Tour. There's even less big names going to a, t- a tournament like the Byron Nelson. Now, thankfully, the Byron Nelson has historically just been a fun event to go to, regardless of who plays. I don't know. You don't have. You're seeing a ton of of note, not no names. I, I want to show respect. These guys are the best in the world. Yeah, but, but the average fan doesn't know casual, who they are. The average fan has no idea. Yeah, it, it's interesting. It's interesting. So I'd love to know, listeners, and, and if you watch golf and to what extent, you know, how does this factor in with the live golf? And are you intrigued by yeah. it? Does it, what, does it yeah. affect your, your PGA Tour viewing? And do you take a side? Do, do fans, are we forced to pick a side in I all mean, of this? I wonder what I, – I, yeah, I mean, players in the PGA Tour are struggling. They're not really giving hot takes on the politics behind it. They're more speaking like Justin Thomas and Rory, loyalty to the PGA Tour. Great. But I wonder what they're thinking now. They see Charles Charles Schwartzel. He just won four point seven million dollars in one is tournament. Char- Did we ever figure out is Charles short for Charles, or we just stop with Charles? Charles. I mean, is it's, there any other name like that? It's like that's that. Yeah, that stops short. Stop short. What if we just called you Lou, I guess Lou isn't Lou. Name. Well, so Lou 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 the is librarian. Short for Lou. I the librarian at my elementary school always thought my name was Lou Keaton. Every time I tried <laughs> to check out a book, that's what's hard about Luke entering into an H last name. Oh, that I is to, tough. I have to emphasize it. Oh, uh, yeah, check out a book for Lou Keaton. I don't see a Mr. Keaton. Well, because it's not. It's Heaton. So that was always frustrating. So I was, I was Lou Keaton, which was oh, tough. Oh, man. That is tough. So good for Charles. 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 Uh, all right. So tonight we've got game five in the NBA finals on a Monday night, which I don't think there's ever been a Monday night, maybe a game seven. But normally the NBA finals, in my remember, anyway, Monday night. Yeah, be I kept thinking it was tomorrow night. I kept checking well, it was ESPN last night, and the Sunday TV. Night. Yeah. And I'm like, wait, where's the game? I was watching America's Got Talent last night. My internet went out, and I, t- I, didn't have, I didn't have YouTube TV, and so I had to watch over-the-air K-Vision, uh, which sounds like I'm from the 60s. It was like, what, what is this? I'm flipping through channels. Like, old school. Like, what's over the air? So I landed on America's Got Talent. Sure enough, I'm crying by the end of the night. I'm crying <laughs> from the stories of America's Got Talent. This cute little girl named Maddie singing on stage for her dad. Who had- Unbelievable. So... Uh, wow. That was a good story. So I got sucked wow. into that. But tonight we get to we actually get back to some basketball. That's so right. the question is, game five, whoever wins, do they win the series? I say yes. I say the Warriors win tonight. So they take con- control of the, the series. They go back to game six. You go back to San Francisco for game number seven, and the Warriors win the championship in front of the home crowd in game seven. So that's my 
desire. That's my prediction. Where, what do you think, Luke? I don't know. Boston should win this series. Oh, you still think Boston's going to win this thing? They should. And if they just need to hold on the the Warriors third quarter. The Golden State, it's Steph and then the other players are doing just enough to keep them in in the game. And Jason Tatum's been kind of a no-show in the second half in the fourth quarter. Like it's been the Jalen Brown, it's been all about Jalen Brown. If Jason Tatum can play well in the second half, I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's going to go seven. I hope it goes seven. I mean, I'll be in, I'll be in the Baltics anyway. So y'all, I'll, I'll I don't know if I'll be able to watch live, but I think I, I, Boston should win this series based on their roster, based on them showing they can destroy this Warriors team. It's just Golden State hangs in, and then if you let Steph hang around, he's going to kill you. He's going to kill you. So yeah. Boston just needs to come out and play well in the second half, and I, I think they should win, especially going in, being able to win game one in San Francisco. I am c- fully confident Boston can win in San Francisco in a game five or a game seven because they grabbed game one. I think I they're do, up for the task. But but game, to me, yeah, game one is always very important. But as the series goes on, I think the experience means more. People debate this. Does it really matter? And that's fine. It's a good debate. But I think in, in a game five situation, it should be really tight. This is a tight series. Another tight game down the stretch. Who are you going to trust? I'm going to trust Steph and Clay down the stretch. We can't trust Draymond as much anymore, but maybe Draymond is due for a big game at home. Poole probably needs to do even a little bit more as that really that third score. Well, I guess Wiggins has kind of filled that role too. Clay. Um, Wiggins has been solid, but yeah, no, Clay's got to have a, a monster game. Um, and I think he's capable of that. He's still got some classic K in him, uh, Clay yeah. in him. So, um, so that could be, that could be possible. All right. It's going to be fun. We'd love to know your thoughts. You can uh, leave your comments anywhere you're listening. What are you convinced of? Who do you like tonight? And uh, you can also always email us Bryce at unpackingit.com, Luke at unpackingit.com. Let's get to our MetaShare moment of the week. And Luke will cue up the, the video. But we always try to find something that is just cool, interesting, uplifting, fun, something, uh, something to take a look at as the, uh, the moment of the week. And when it comes to college athletics, there, there's still, even though we've got the whole you know, NIL situation going on, which we actually had an agent on last week on the podcast, which you should definitely check out with Jordan Oler. Um, but the value of the scholarship is still so important, especially for you know smaller schools. And there are so many athletes that are willing to walk on and they just want to play because they love their sport, but they work so hard. They play so well that then they earn a scholarship later on, you know, kind of in their tenure. And it's always really special when that player is, is told that they're, they're going to or not win it, but earn a scholarship. And so anyway, uh, former NFL player, now he's on the NFL Network, Andrew Hawkins. Uh, he's got this new uh, initiative. It may even be like a show or a YouTube series where he's going around announcing and somebody uh, walk on earns a scholarship. Uh, you can listen to, to what he has to say. Here we go. Now, I'm not here to talk about how I started as a walk on. I took nothing for granted and I was able to turn it into a very, very good career. I'm not here to tell you how every piece of this team is important to the success of this season. Isaiah Winstead, Bryce Harris, Nate Bauer, Deswan Johnson, and Jamal Hines. I'm not here to tell you that as the returning all-MAC players, your effort is going to be their effort. Take a knee for me. Carter Bradley, Daquan Finn, and Tucker Gleason. I don't got to tell you that as the quarterbacks, everybody is following your lead, right? Have a knee. Who else? Give me a, give me a walk-on. Give me a walk-on name. Uh, A.J. Harrison. A.J. Harrison. Where you at? Who? AJ, AJ Harrison. All right, AJ Harrison. What, what position do you play? You're a walk on? What I'm here for is to say, congratulations, AJ Harrison. You are going on full scholarship. Let's go! Let's go! Ah, I got chills. I got chills. That moved me. I like it. I'm an emotional guy. And, and I, it's also freezing in the studio today. So it's 100 degrees outside. And about fifty in here, so it's it's nice. Well, let, let's it. give some but, context. No, what an awesome story. Let's give some context. It's probably seventy four degrees, and you're freezing in the office. My summer That's in right. Charlotte 
78 was the average when the thermostat was set on. Unbelievable. You're like a snake, just cold-natured, cold-blooded, yeah. crazy. Cold, a little cold. But but what a cool video and, and always special. I don't know who those players are, and, and so it's just a – but to me, the idea of working hard enough as a, as a walk-on, knowing that you love the sport, and then being rewarded – uh, really neat. So cool, cool kind of setup with Andrew Hawkins, and uh, wanted to share that yeah. with everyone today. They did so, that well, very well. Cool. It wasn't, it wasn't cringe. It, it, it almost like he did it in a way where he was honoring those other positions in a way that a walk on yeah. wouldn't have been like, okay, yeah, I see it coming a mile away. So he did <laughs> no, it well. That was, good. that was very cool. So thanks to MetaShare, our presenting sponsor here on Unpacking It. Uh, check out metashare.com slash unpacking it. And, and members can can save up to fifty percent or more on their their healthcare costs. And uh, again, encourage you to check out un, or, uh, metashare.com slash unpacking it. Metashare.com slash unpacking it. Well, let's welcome on Henry Bienname. He's back this week. We missed him last week. He is here for a little tap drill. A couple of random stories, a couple of stories we haven't gotten to. Henry. Take it away. What's going on, boys? Glad to be back with you. Glad to be back on the show. I missed you guys. And let's get right into it. Let's start with some NFL talk. And so now we've had the big NFL offseason. We got big wide receivers, Devontae Adams, uh, Tyreek Hill, moving to new teams, moving to new quarterbacks. And if you haven't heard, go check out the sports net, whether it be ESPN, Fox, or whatever your sports platform is. And we've got Devontae Adams talking about Derek Carr as good as Aaron Rodgers. We've got Tyreek Hill saying that he's uh, Tua Tagovailoa is just as accurate as Patrick Mahomes. So boys, let me ask you this. Are you okay with the guy with the wide receiver going to their new relationship by downing the old one, especially when the old one is recognized as the better product? I just want you to say to a tongue of Iloa. To a tago Vailoa. Oh man. So if you can't even pronounce his name, I'm not sure. I'm not sure he's the he's the guy. I feel like everyone can now say Giannis Antetokounmpo because he's the best. So Tua's got a long ways to go. Like he he did some nice things at Alabama. He showed some glimpses last year in Miami. I know he's got a nice weapon in in Tyree Kill. He's got your boy Cedric Wilson on the other side, Luke, uh, coming over from Dallas. Jalen Waddle, uh, and then of course Waddle coming off his impressive rookie season. So Tua's got all the weapons. He's got like three running backs in the backfield. They'll be no excuses at all. A new head coach, but. I'm not sold on Tua, so I'm I'm not there yet. Of course, Patrick Mahomes has already done. He's won a Super Bowl, so is he accurate? Come on, get, get out of here, Tyree Kill. To me, Tyree Kill's overrated. So he's a Ooh. boomer bust guy. He's I, I I don't I don't appreciate wide receivers that are because to me it's just it's hit or miss. I want a guy that's reliable, down in, down out. Let me get the first down. To me, Travis Kelsey's been more reliable for the Chiefs, so they'll be fine without without Tyree Kill. They'll find some other guys. They'll have Juju Smith-Schuster. They've got uh, Pringle. Guys will be sliding in there in, in yeah. Kansas City. They'll be all right. They'll be, they'll be just fine. Yes. I, I mean, yeah, I think that's true. G- give me a Hunter Renfro. I, know, I, I had Hunter say, in fantasy. Hunter, Hunter. Hunter yeah, Renfro awesome. is remarkable. Every week, dominating. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, yeah, Tua has no excuse. And I... I I forgot. I forgot what Henry's question was. I had an answer, but I forgot what the question was. The oh, question, oh, Derek Carr. I do not understand the slander towards Derek Carr. No, I don't either. He's a good quarterback. He's really good. So I don't understand why people keep saying, "Oh, trade Derek Carr." Oh, well, you know, Derek Carr. He's he hasn't really lived up. Are you kidding me? Derek Carr is a really good quarterback. So let's give him a chance. It's not like he's had unbelievable rosters. Let's give him a chance. I think no he's way. great. And also, I mean, he's in a division. Like, why do we say Herbert is so much better than Derek Carr? I, we understand Herbert has – Herbert's really good. He's young. He is a, an incredibly high ceiling. <clears throat> but the conversation is always, oh, yeah, now there's Mahomes. Now there's Russ. Now there's Herbert. Why is Herbert so much better than Derek Carr? I don't understand that. Derek mm. Carr is really good. So I'm confident in that take. I like Come after me. You on Derek Carr? I think he's gonna have a huge year with Devontae Adams. 
We we I'm I'm I very much believe in Adams as a an elite receiver. Oh, yeah. That's why it always annoyed me when people would complain about Aaron Rodgers doesn't have any weapons to throw to. What are you talking about? He's got Devontae Adams. Yeah. He's in good shape. And now Carr has Waller, Renfro, and Adams. Oh, He's gonna have a monster man. season. Monster yeah. season. I've been doing mock drafts and I get Derek Carr way late. I hope that continues. I hope yes. I can get him late in drafts this year because I will be taking him. I promise. I'll probably even take him early just to make sure he's on my team. So, Luke, Ooh, I'll be fighting for you in our league. I'll, I'll take I'll Renfro, though. I'll give you Derek Carr if I get Renfro. Guys are coming in That's hot fine. with the takes. Let's. Uh, I hope we didn't overlook the fact that Bryce Johnson said that Tyree Kill is overrated. Hey. I, 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 I hope we got that on, on tape. It'll be like, fun. Wait a second. <laughs> It'll be fun. He's going to disappear this year. People are going to go, oh, yeah, what happened to Tyree Kill? Oh, yeah, he's lost in Miami. He's lost in Have fun. <laughs> Have, fun fair, Have fun, Tyreek. To be Tyree. fair, Tua, Tua's not necessarily a deep ball guy. So if Tyreek's just going to be – if he can't take the lid off defenses because he, he doesn't have a quarterback that's just a, a deep bomb guy – Bryce could be onto something. If Bryce is correct, you have every reason to tune in for Fantasy Football Fellowship this year and get all your oh, yeah. fantasy tips. Oh, yeah. Bryce is a seasoned veteran, an expert, if I say. There Forget XM Radio. We're going to go with Bryce Johnson as the Come fantasy on. football expert. Let's go. Wow, now you're hyping me up. That's all right. <laughs> all right, let's go on. Let's go back to the NBA for just a moment. Uh, LeBron was just named as Forbes' newest billionaire. Yes, that's billionaire with Goodness. a B. And so he has gone on record in saying that he wants to own a team specifically in Las Vegas. And we've also heard rumors about Tom Brady wanting to get involved with the Miami Dolphins as much as they've been his pain in the butt over the years. So, boys, let me ask you this question. Tom Brady already has a TV role waiting for a nine figure TV role waiting for him whenever he decides to finish with football. Do we want to see LeBron James as an owner? Do we want to see him as a TV analyst? Or do we want him to see, do we want to see him as like a Magic Johnson type guy? He's just out there and people, we just want to hear his opinions. We don't want him to own anything, but we just want him to be just LeBron. So for one, LeBron's not as Magic Johnson. He doesn't have the same personality. And, and LeBron, he ruffles a lot of feathers. He's, he's turned people off to the NBA. Uh, based on his stances on certain things and the, the way he's vocalized certain things. So uh, he's not as likable. And I even think Tom Brady has become much more likable now that he's with the Bucks, whereas he wasn't that way in New England. I mean, I, to me, he was one of the more hateable players. But, uh, but I still think LeBron would be really interesting on TV and could bring a lot of value. And, you know, Charles Barkley, hopefully he'll do this for a lot longer, but he's not going to be able to do that forever. There's going to have to be a new crop of, of you know, newer NBA players that have retired to take the, the mantle. Dwayne Wade's not going to be that guy. I don't think he's that interesting on TV, very average. Um, you know, the ESPN crew is, is just okay. I love Mike Wilbon on PTI, but that You're crew being is, too kind. You're being too it's, kind. It's to them. pretty marginal. Um, so <laughs> there's room. And then don't get me started on the Jeff Van Gundy, Mark Jackson duo. Oh, goodness gracious. Um, so thankfully, I can't always hear them because I usually watch the game in the morning when I'm taking what care of little Stan? Michaela. You Stan Van Gundy guy Stan in the booth? Van Gundy, uh, he's okay. He's all right. He's fine. I'd actually I'd be intrigued with Jeff and Stan together. But anyone in that role, <laughs> in some role on TV covering the NBA, would be would be very intriguing. There's no question about it because he will say stuff. He understands the game. He's played with a lot of these players. Um, so I, as far as him being an owner, I think he should be an analyst for a while. While, and then a little bit later, because I think we'll have to probably make you know, make a little extra money uh, post career, spend some time on his businesses, get to a better spot, and then the NBA will probably be more likely in a position to actually expand to add a team, hopefully in Seattle, get the SuperSonics back. Okay, yes. So here's the thing: you you cannot have a team in Vegas before you bring a team back to Seattle. You got to bring the Sonics back. And I say, you got to bring a team to Kansas City. Now, I know they have the Jayhawks, but Kansas City, that is a great sports town. Their passion for the Chiefs, an NBA team needs to be in Kansas City. I think that's overlooked far too often to be a host of an NBA team. 
But I don't know. Maybe without Louis, a doubt, but... without a doubt, Seattle has got to have an NBA team before Vegas. Come on. Come well, on. I know, but with the way things are going, this is a topic for another day, and, and I've got some thoughts on it. Trust me. Uh, as far as gambling and all that, but all these are involved with gambling, so they're going to want to be in Vegas. They're going to want to have franchises it, there. But it doesn't seem right. Seattle had well, the no, Sonics to, ripped away from them to go to Oklahoma City. Well, you have to add two teams. They would add two teams. You can't have an odd number. So they'd have to move to 32 teams. They have 30 NBA teams. Move to yeah, 32. True. Yeah. Add true. there. And if you can get LeBron as, a, as an owner, he can't be much worse than my boy Michael Jordan. So <laughs> my, my poor Hornets. It can't, it can't be much worse than that. So, so. I, I also think of this. If you're an owner, don't you want to try to own your hometown team or your favorite team? Like I think of uh, the, the Panthers owner. Why wouldn't he want to try to, to have a, a huge stake with the Steelers? Yeah, I wish they would. Pittsburgh. But Dan Rooney, that, that family isn't. I know. Not, there's no like if, opportunity. If you're LeBron, but they can have Tepper. Trust me, they can have Tepper. He wants to buy another team, please. <laughs> if you're LeBron, don't here. you want to have a stake? Like, I was looking at the owners of the Cavs. Dan Gilbert and Usher. If Usher is, is, is listed as one of their owners, LeBron, own the Cavs. What are we doing? Own the Cavs. Yeah, but does he want to live in Cleveland? I don't, or be Doesn't a part of Cleveland? There. Doesn't have to live there. Like, why? I guess he's, I mean, I guess Wade, he's got. I guess that's his, He's got. I mean, I'm sure. He has a house somewhere. Like, yeah, nearby, Dwayne but. Wade being a part owner of the Jazz, it doesn't, doesn't seem, right. seem right. No, I doesn't agree. Seem with right that. at all. The Jazz? No. Shaq with the Kings. I think he sold it now, oh. but he was with the Kings. Yikes. Yeah, and don't yikes. and don't forget Alex Rodriguez owning part of the Timberwolves. Oh, oh so bizarre. Hurts. That's that a great hurts. point, Henry. That hurts, man. It's so weird. <laughs> like if Dirk, if Dirk ever had any ownership in a, a team outside of Dallas, I would be sick to my stomach. But you just, <laughs> there's obvious teams you should go after ownership for. But yeah, A Rod and, and with the Timberwolves, poor but, guy. Why would he do that to himself? But LeBron played for so many teams, so him not being a part of one—that's fair. Uh, that's it'd fair. Be all right. It'd be all, all right, right, boys. One more topic for Tap Drill, and this and and Luke, I want to I want to hear your outside analyst hat on in this question because this is mainly for Bryce uh as you all know this Sunday is Father's Day and also I'm not too sure if you guys were made aware of it if the NBA finals go a full seven games game seven would be on Father's Day so Bryce (laughs) does that change your Father's Day plan if the NBA finals go game seven so well, it's I very, know Bryce's what I know what Bryce's Father's Day plan should be, but I'll let you go first. Well, no, so I'm I'm in a, an interesting spot. So I will be you know, out of town uh, with a and, and being a part of the True. Fatherhood Festival. So I'll be in Canton, Ohio. So I'm I'm le- you know I, I, Jody is with the girls for the weekend, which is which is you know a challenge in in some ways for her. So I'm using my Father's Day break to also you know work and and so uh it's a little bit interesting so then when i come home i'm not sure i get to milk the father's day uh you know hey i'm hey i'm home it's father's day i'm gonna i'm gonna go down to the basement and watch the nba finals and can i have some dinner i, I don't think i get to do that so i I'll, of course i would watch a game seven uh yeah but it would be it'd be a little different a little different well, what me. i was gonna say is if you are in town game seven it's father's day you go straight to the man cave. You sit in the recliner. You got your two young daughters. They're the waitresses for the night. They're bringing you drinks. They're bringing you food. <laughs> Jody's cooking stuff up. And that's what, that's what you would do. They, they tend to you, world. baby. Come on. That's, that's a dream world. That's, uh, that's not real life. <laughs> that's that your day, though. Of any day, that's the day you could do it. The one now, day, again, huh? I'm not a father. So maybe yeah. this, is, this is unrealistic hope. And I'm li- maybe I'm living in dream world. Yeah, you're living. Yeah, it seems it seems possible. <laughs> that's, woo, yeah, that's that sounds nice. It sounds nice. <laughs> no, it should be fun. It should be fun. I'm so thankful to to be a dad and 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 thankful Amen. for for my dad. And so we'll have a fun fun weekend one way or another. Good, but I'll be at the Fatherhood Festival. So check out fatherhoodfestival.com. Um, and also, you know, I think too last last week at the beach, put in my father's time, to- Father's Day time. Uh, as a father at the beach, showing Maddie how to build a, a wonderful sandcastle, or her telling me how to build a sandcastle. It happened both ways, a little, little bit of both. So it was fun. But Luke, have a wonderful trip. Say hello to my ancestors in Sweden. I'm Swedish. Okay. Did you did you know that? 
I, I am seventy five percent Johnson, very Swedish. Interesting. Yes. Yep. Huh. So my grandma's no. maiden name was Johnson. She's Norwegian, mm. but her she said her last name originated because she descends from John's sons. There was a guy uh, named John, and they just said we're John's sons. Their last name became Johnson. But well, I'll, be sure, the, I'll be sure. I'll be sure to tree. look for for some people of your of your history. You send me a couple names. I'll do some damage. I'm sure. I'm sure. My Swedish, Swedish family. They're probably all walking around. They're all swim captains. They're all walking around in Speedos. That's how I know they're part of your, your family. There Anyone you walking around know. in Speedos. You know. We'll oh, be yeah. there. We'll be there representing. So have, have fun on the cruise. Henry, have a great Father's Day as well. Great job on Tap Drill. Uh, that was fun. Thanks to our intern, Chris. I'm Bryce. I'm a sports fan who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sin. He was resurrected. And through faith, I've been saved by his grace. I hope that is true for you as well. And I hope you'll join me as we live life as sports fans who follow Jesus together. Have your day, a great week. We got some amazing interviews coming up on the Unpacking It podcast. So be sure to uh, subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. And rate, review, share. Uh, Let your sports fans in your life know about Unpacking It. And uh, we greatly appreciate all of the support. Thanks to so many of you who support financially. Those of you that pray for our ministry, we're we're so grateful and uh, love doing what we do. And so hopefully uh, when you listen and you read, you're encouraged and challenged. And and that's what that's what our our heart and desire is to uh, to to point you to Jesus and and to to encourage one another. Uh, And so uh, today, again, the unpack this topic was was all about living on the road or playing on the road and getting road wins. And and so we're up against it in this world. And so we got to stick together as as followers of Jesus and, uh, and continue to be the light. We're, we're, this is a temporary place, and I can't wait for our eternal home, perfect harmony in heaven with Jesus and, and celebrating and worshiping and enjoying the everlasting life. But for now, it's a challenge, day in, day out, living life on the road, uh, living in the, the away arena, so to speak. Uh, but we have hope. We have hope for what's to come. And so let's, uh, let's cling to that and continue to, to point one another to Jesus. So have a great one. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Unpacking It podcast presented by MediShare. For more information about the show, our events, and other resources, visit unpackingit.com. That's U-N-P-A-C-K-I-N-I-T.com. We hope you are encouraged, inspired, and challenged by what you heard today. To support our show and Unpacking It Ministries with a financial gift, visit unpackingit.com slash donate. We look forward to unpacking sports, faith, and life with you again next week.